Father, be with us as we uh, learn about um, doctrine of your love. Uh, be with the discussions and help us to grow in love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So today's our final day on our final uh, lesson on the series of uh, attributes of God. Uh, and we're going to finish with uh, the love of God. Um, uh, so today we're going to look through uh, just uh, there are, there, there's a few different types of uh, God's love. And so we're going to go through a few of them. Um, and we're going to talk about that and uh, let's see. And then we're going to end with how are we to respond to this doctrine of uh, the love of God. Um, and so I think uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, Michael talked about the wrath um, of God. And and uh, we'll see that uh, uh, initially we think that the wrath and love like are kind of incompatible. Uh, but we'll see that they're, they're perf- they work perfectly together. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about that. And I think... Um, like when when we think of the love of God, usually we think of uh, just our what the culture tells us. So, like in this time that we're in, like a, a lot of it is just be, uh, the, uh, a lot of uh, we're taught a lot of like um, uh, how do you say um, just uh, it's like we're, we're in a pluralistic society, right? Where um, everything is acceptable, like the Christians, the uh, Islam, and um, Hinduism, and everything is just acceptable, right? Everything. Is good and um, and so the love of God I feel like is is often uh, um, it's often is downplayed a lot right um, it's or uh, the wrath the wrath and the love of God is downplayed a lot and and people don't have a good understanding of what the love of God really entails and uh, the wrath of God really entails right uh, so we're going to talk about that um, and so yeah just uh, keep in mind that um, yeah just uh, in general, uh, we uh, us uh, all maybe not all, all of us here, but just in general, society today believes that uh, has a really skewed view of the love of God, and so we're gonna uh, touch on that and and uh, dig a little deeper. So, um, so if you look at the points, we're gonna talk about the intra-trinitarian love of God. That's the love between the Father, Son, Holy, uh, Holy Ghost, and uh, then we're gonna talk about God's love for all that He has created, including. Uh, mankind, um, um, the reprobate, the sinners. He loves everybody. Um, and then we're going to talk about God's particular selective love toward his elect. So he has a special love for his children, right? For those who are faithful. And then uh, if we can, if we have enough time, we'll talk about his conditional love towards those who obey him, um, uh, meaning his children already. Uh, he, has, uh, a, uh, he shows a, a different love towards those who obey him. Um, and then how we are to respond. Okay, so let, we'll go through the uh, first one briefly, the intra-Trinitarian love of God. You guys have any questions so far? Okay. Um, Dan, can you read uh, the John 17 for us? Sure. Um, verse 22, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you love me. <coughs> Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with them where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, the 
because you love me before the foundation of the world. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and then that Ash, can you read John 3? Uh, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. Thanks. And then Jeff, can you read John 14? But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Yeah, um, so we see the first two, we see that God loves his son, right? Um, and then on the, the last, uh, um, the one that uh, Jeff just read, uh, it's reciprocated, right? Where, where Jesus, um, the son, loves the father back, right? They're, they're in this perfect uh, love triangle um, that where they each uh, don't seek their own glory, they don't, each don't seek love from one another, but they uh, pour out love into each other. Uh, for all eternity, right? For before the foundations of the world, right? God loved His Son. So we have God, uh, Son. So that's what the Trinitarian love is, right? So just, just like, yeah, just to each other. Um, they're just constantly pouring into each other uh, and loving each other. And so... Uh, so I heard this uh, sermon from Keller that on the Trinity, um, just how throughout all eternity they had this perfect love, right? So um, they experienced perfect love throughout all eternity. So as they uh, created the world, it wasn't because they were seeking love; it's because they were uh, sharing. They wanted to share what they wanted to share to um, uh, creation what they're, they've been experiencing for all eternity, right? So if you have a unipersonal God where it's just one, you know, just God and uh, no community, then it would be weird if he created the world, he's like seeking love, right? But because they've experienced this for all eternity, um, they can create, create the world, right? So this creation, a world, whatever. And then, uh, and it's because they want to share what they have, right? So they're not seeking glory, they're not uh, whatever, but they're, they're, they want to share their love towards creation. So that's the inter-Trinitarian love, and that is uh, transferred to us here. So we're going to talk about God's love for... Wait, can I just say a yes. comment on that? Yes. I think that's really important. I know you went by real quickly, yeah. but it is important because it shows that love is at the essence of who God is, yes. rather than a, a contingent <coughs> attribute based on his interaction with creation. Right, right. God is love. That yeah. was true before the creation of yeah. the world. So he, Whereas um, in all other world religions, you cannot say that. Mm. Only Christianity can say that. Yeah, so this was love. God is love, right? And uh, there's a passage we'll, we'll look at. And, um, it's, yeah, like, it's, it's not like he was looking at the world and uh, he loves because he sees us, right? He's not swayed by that. His nature is love. So he just naturally loves. Without, he loves the unlovable, right? It's not that they're doing something and then he loves them, right? So... He's always love, and that's his nature. And so he just uh, naturally pours out. Go any questions on that? Okay. Um, so we're going to talk about God's love for all that He has created. Uh, let's read. Melissa, can you read uh, Psalm one forty five for us? The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that we have made. Thanks. Okay. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on just on the just and on the unjust. 
Yeah, so as you, as you look at these two, as you read the bold, and you'll see that God, it's not that God loves only his children, right? He is clear that God also loves and uh, pours out his mercy on everybody, right? On all that he has uh, made. Um, even, it says he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rains on the just and unjust. So he's, he doesn't just, uh, in a sense, pick and choose when it comes to this type of love. Um, Ezekiel 33. Uh, can you, uh, uh, Hannah, can you read Ezekiel 33 for us? We're going to skip loop six. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Yeah. Turn back, turn back from the evil ways, for why will he die? Oh, <clears throat> yeah, so that's kind of interesting, right? God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, yet when we, when we, uh, when, um, Michael Todd on the wrath of God, he is clear, right? When we read through the Bible, it's clear that he's against evil, right? He's against sin. He's against uh, sinners, even. Um, and so we'll ask, uh, uh, we'll talk about that. And uh, uh, Carrie, can you read John three sixteen? Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Yeah. Um, when I was reading this passage, you know, a, a lot of times you've, you've heard that for God to love uh, the world, um, we, we hear sometimes that that's like for the elect, right, when it comes to Calvinism. We hear that the world means is, is just uh, the, God's children in general. But um, uh, Don Carson talks about the world as in the world even in its uh, evilness. So he loves um, even... Not just the elect, but also everybody within the world and all that's, um, all that he created, basically. And we see that in, in these passages here, right? He doesn't, has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He still loves them, right? Um, and so we're going to, so let me ask you this question before you read the answer. <laughs> uh, how does God's wrath against sinful mankind coexist with God's love for sinful mankind? What do you guys think? Without reading that answer. So we have two things going. So God's wrath, right? And God's love. How do these think two things coexist? So we see oh good. Okay. Alright, we see that God is against all evil, right? Why is that? Remember we talked about this? Because he's holy, right? Because God is holy. Uh, I don't know where to write this. Alright, so because God's holy. Against all evil because he's holy, right? Does that make sense? Um, what do you guys think? So why... Why do you think? How do you think he can? He can say that he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Yet he, we see in so many other passages that he's <laughs> that he's going to judge them and condemn them, and he hates them even. Any thoughts? 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 No thoughts. Because uh, God's wrath is uh, the motivation behind his wrath is love. Um, because he doesn't want to see evil in the world because he so loves mm. his creation that he doesn't want 
yeah. that uh, evil to occur. So that's why his wrath is directed towards so wicked. So red evil, right? Yeah, that's good. I think we said earlier his essence is love. So mm. I mean, he's just yeah. uh, that's him. Right. So his na- his uh, uh, love is in his nature, right? Any other thoughts or questions? Um, yeah, so we so God's wrath is has to come out because of because of the fall, right? So it's it's to guard against His holiness because He's ho- so holy. He needs to be wrathful, and like John said, is is to rid um, uh, get rid of evil and and to make all things uh, new, right? So He hates He hates uh, sin. He hates even the sinner. Right. At the same time, he loves the sinner. You know. So how does you know? It's, it's kind of. It feels like is he bipolar or what? Right. So and then Tommy says it's because it's his nature, right? That he loves. It's not because, not because um, the evil people are lovable. It's because it's his nature to love, and he he wants to um, reconcile that. Right. So that's good, and that's like kind of the core of the gospel. Right. Um, Yeah, so if you guys read here, uh, uh, read here. It says God's wrath is not in place, is not an implacable blind rage. So He's not just a crazy guy. Oh, you're sinning against me. Let me, let me zap you guys. Right? He's, it's not like that. It is a reasonable and willed response to offenses against His holiness. God is wrathful to both the sin and the sinner because of His holiness. Um, but His perfect love is part of His perfect character, like what Tommy says. So He loves out of His goodness and not because those that receive His love are worthy. Or lovable, and then we see God's greatest display of wrath at the cross, right? Um, and His greatest display of love at the cross, right? Um, and so these two, these two things are like perfectly working together. You can't take one and take the other. So sometimes we say like, uh, um, uh, some some it feels like at times um, a lot of Christians are like, oh, God's wrath. You know, they're trying to guilt people into. Uh, saying that they're evil and wicked, and then you could swing all the way other here on the other side, and they'll be like, "Oh, God is love, right? He accepts everybody just as they are." You know, and there is truth to to both of these things, but you need to see them together. You can't separate them out from each other, um, and so that's the beauty of the character of God, right? And and we see that perfectly at uh, at the cross. Um, you guys have any comments or questions on that point? Makes sense. So can God hate anybody? Yeah, <laughs> he hates sin. He's not like the person. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We see. We see. Um, there's a lot of verses uh, um, in the Psalms that says God, like, God even hates the sinner, right? So, but it's, it's again, it's reconciling these two thoughts. He also loves them because we see that he has no pleasure in the death of them. Um, he longs for them to. He longs to for them to come to him. So it's both. Isn't that contradicting? Doesn't that he hates him but loves the sinner? That is um, because of the cross, like right, right, right. <laughs> that's that's kind of like one of the cliche things, because he does. Again, he he hates sin. He hates his sinner. Yet he also loves. He also loves this person. And longs for them to. So it's both. So he does hate sin. He hates the sinner. But he also loves the sinner. Three things. 
Never mind. No, no, go ahead, John. No, I lost my thought. I feel like you have a good thought brewing. <laughs> uh, think a way for God to love and hate someone is that when, like, true hate is when you're apathetic towards someone. Like, you just don't really care for what's yeah. going on and whatever they do. That, for me, that's that's like true true hate because like, yeah. you just don't really care whatever situation they're in right. but when you hate someone or like you hate the things that they do you also do it like it, it's not that it won't hate wouldn't be there if there wasn't some sort of love also right yeah that's that's uh, important to note because remember God's love is not or God's wrath is not an implacable blind rage right it is because of his holiness that he needs to do this so it's not like um, you uh, you turn uh, turn against God and he's like uh, you know he's like pissed at you and whatever he's not doing it because he's necessarily like pissed or or a, um, it's this crazy God he does it yeah um, he does it out of love like you said before um, and because he's he's holy he has to he has to this has to come out his wrath and jealousy for who he is because he's so holy Carrie do you have something I see something coming no. okay <laughs> Thanks, John. Uh, any other thoughts on that? Thoughts or questions? <laughs> I think a better, I mean, yeah. um, not a better, but uh, yes. one, helpful, one helpful way to think about it is that um, his uh, hate and love are not uh, parallel in the sense that God's love, um, maybe we can put it closer to an emotion. Um, God has affection for all his people, right. even yes. those he eventually cast to hell. Yes. Um, but when we talk about God's hate for the people he cast into hell, we're not talking about the fact that God has disaffection, yes. but that God has some sort of malice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but what we fine. mean by hate is that God is opposed to evil. Yes. And so sin and evil must be punished. The just There must be justice. Yeah. And so when he meets out justice upon re- rebels, that is hate in the sense that he imposes the just punishment. But it's not an affection hate. It's, yeah. a, it's a retributive hate, or it's a justice hate. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if that makes more sense. Yeah. It's, not, it's not that he has malice. Yeah, kind of like John's saying, he's not, yeah. Yeah, it's not emotional. The way his love is emotional, the way his love is, is affectional, but it's yeah. in terms of his uh, response to their evil, he casts them to hell, yeah. which is hate because yeah. he's casting, he's, he's punishing them. Yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> let me read uh, something that uh, Carson wrote, uh, D.A. Carson. His God in his perfections must be wrathful against his rebel image bearers, for they have offended him. God in his perfections must be loving. Uh, and the other side, God in his perfections must be loving toward his rebel image bearers, for he is that kind of God. Um, so these two things are reconciled. And yeah, so like, I think like maybe to give a human example, analogy, when Judah misbehaves yeah. and I spank him, yeah. you can speak of me at that point as I'm hating Judah. Uh, hate is a very strong word, so we kind of don't want to use that language. Yeah. But um, I'm punishing him. But that punishment doesn't mean I hate him. Uh, I have affection for him. The great mystery and wonder and deepness of God is that uh, he will punish rebels in hell forever. 
there is no restoration. There is no uh, reconciliation. And uh, therein is the rub. It's really, therein we're, we're sort of bumping against the deep, deep mystery of how God can love people who he's punishing forever in hell. Yeah. Um, then we're starting to run into the limits of human understanding of how that works. That's good. Good, good job. <laughs> Any questions, Kay? Yeah, that's good. Um, and so we'll uh, we'll talk briefly, really quick. Uh, also, God, how how does God's how does the sovereignty and transcendence of God coexist with His perfect love of God? So, so I guess this is important too because when we think of God's sovereignty, right? Um, we think of God just, uh, and we talked about that, right? How God just. Um, He's in control of everything. He knows everything that's going to happen, um, and he even even he's he's even sovereign over all the evil that happens, right? Uh, so we see God's sovereignty. So in a sense, it feels like it sometimes rubs against um, God's love, right? So it feels like there's a, a bit of a rub. Um, um, so, so when we think of God's sovereign, we think of Him like being uh, uh, kind of uh, far away and distant, right, from His creation. Uh, that's sometimes we think of, oh, God is sovereign. Why did He let this happen? Let this happen. Is He is He even there to you know like uh, take care of people? So we feel like sometimes He's what impassable, right? Feels like. Like he's impassable, which means he's unemotionless, right? He has no emotions. He's just letting things run. But he's also love, right? So how do we uh, throw these things together? Uh, you guys, what do you guys think? Or is this settled in your mind already? How can God be? Or maybe another way to put it is: yeah. if God truly loves his people, if, if God truly loves creation right. and has affection for them, and he's sovereign, meaning he controls all things, why doesn't he? design it so that everybody whom he loves like it turns out well for them yeah that's a good question you guys wanna Wait, is that the question you asked uh, yeah it kind of gets to that too so yeah mm-hmm. what do you guys think <coughs> any thoughts on that like why isn't God just like a puppet master mm-hmm. in a sense yeah like, demands love from Mm-hmm. Us and we only know love, or we only can give him love in back in return. Right, or or when I think of this, I just think of God just um, running the show and he's distant. Right, oh. so when we think of God's sovereignty, then how? It's, yeah, but yeah, kind of what PMS too. Um, but why doesn't God create a world in which? There is no sin. Or there is no. Well, God did until uh, original sin, right? Yeah. Or no, no. I, the the point I'm making is that why didn't he just, if he's actively involved, that he wouldn't even let it happen? Right. Oh, why why doesn't he just reconcile everything, right now? Or oh, what do you mean? But then, if he did that, then it doesn't show his char- his justice. Okay, so you answered your own question. Thank <laughs> 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 you. Yeah. Um, but again, like, ultimately, he, God is sovereign. He's also love. He's not, so he's not impassable, right? He does have emotion. 
He's personal. He uh, he's a uh, personal God, right? Doesn't his sovereignty and love go together when we talk about God's greater plan? Like, even though we may not see mm. the things that are happening in our life as yeah. oh, you know, God must hate me because of all these situations in my life, but I don't know, and there might be some greater plan that God yeah, has. That's that you can't see, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you hit it perfectly, and and we also talked about that before. Ultimately, we don't, we cannot see uh, everything that happens. But um, this this answer might not be uh, satisfactory in your mind. But we see over and over again in the Bible that um, that these two things work perfectly together. It's because He loves um, us. He's personal, um, and He has works everything for good. Right? That He does what He does. We don't know why. We don't know everything uh, that goes on, but um, but again, it's it's him working for you, especially if you are his children, right? It's everything will end for good. Um, so yeah, I basically just said that uh, the biblical portrayal of this compatibility occurs over and over. Um, uh, like Michael said, our uh, we can tease this out, uh, but in, at the end, it goes to we don't know. This is trusting in God, knowing that He's sovereign, right? And knowing also that he's loved and he's personal. Right. <laughs> you have a question with this? Yeah. Uh, questions? Comments? Isn't it also because uh, God lets us suffer because he wants us to get uh, drawn back to him? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we see that, yeah, we see that uh, a lot in what James and First Peter, how God uses things to grow our character, right? Um, so that we'll have a deeper faith and a, deep, uh, a greater understanding and hope. So yeah, it's for it's also for our sanctification for the for the elect. Yeah, that's good. Other comments, thoughts? Cool. Um, okay, so we'll talk about this third point. So, um, let's just uh, touch on a couple of these for the sake of time. So God's uh, God has a particular selective love toward His elect, right? We see that God loves everything; uh, He's sovereign in um, in all things. Um, uh, but He has a, a greater love for His elect. And so, let me just ask you guys before we read anything: like, why do you guys think that is? Why does He have a greater love? Why is it not that He loves everyone the same? Uh, I want to say. Because you have a love for your friends and you have a love mm. for your children. Yeah. So yeah. those are very much kind of different. Yeah, that's that's perfect. I think, yeah, f- uh, and that's how I understand it too. Uh, right. Isn't all creation God's children? So why uh, is love conditional? We, we have... For so we have God's... We have image bearers. So all, of, all mankind is uh, uh, image bearer of God, right? Yeah. Image bearer. That's all of us, all of mankind, and then we have God's, God's children, right? Okay. So that's when we call the children. That's his, those, whom he's elected and um, saved. So basically. So in a sense, yes, yes, yes. Because well, <laughs> when um, well, I mean, I don't love Alexa as much as I love Judah. Yeah. What? <laughs> 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 The reason is because Judah looks like me. No, because, <laughs> no, because Judah has my blood. Yes, Judah's yes. of me. He's my child. Alexa's not my child. Yeah. So he reflects 
more of you and who you are. And sure, there's a genetic connection. Are you saying yeah. there's a genetic connection between no. God and you? <laughs> no, but as we, uh, we see that um, children, the children of God, God is able to manifest himself more fully, right? So we see his characteristics. He's able to love you more because he sees Christ. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But when he first makes the choice. What's that? But when he first makes the choice, is there a difference? When he first makes the choice, sorry. When he decides, I love this uh -oh. human being, I don't love this human being. Mm -hmm. um, what's the difference? <laughs> I, I don't completely understand. Yeah. yeah. Or do, do you guys understand that question? I Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Two human beings. And here's God. Mm -hmm. And he decides his special love is going to come upon this person, mm -hmm. but not this person. What's yeah. the difference? Yes, true. <laughs> you're saying, oh, you know, they're both image bearers, but one is his child. Yeah. Um, yes, but that's a little bit circular. What makes them different? Doesn't it manifest itself in heaven and hell? Like those that he has that special love uh, joins God in eternity. Yeah, so, they, so one goes to heaven, the other goes to hell. Mm -hmm. But that's the effect of, that's the result of his special love. Mm -hmm. What precedes the special love. Like how God expresses. How does God choose, yeah. How God choose or express? How does God choose? Choose. <laughs> so basically, why why would he choose this person and not this person? Is it, yeah, that's a good question. Is it... Uh, he chooses it by those who... Those who choose to follow God? Ah, so, that's one answer, right? So you say, oh, it's the result of... <coughs> this person has faith, right? This person has no faith, right? <coughs> so God sees the faith and he says, aha, my special love. What do you guys think about that? Exactly. But what about uh, predestination? Mm -hmm. Yes, let's not jump ahead of ourselves. Let's tease this out. Is that is that how God decides? Tony's shaking his head. I don't think so. Why not? Go. It's because, uh, well, it's not because we love God first, right? It's because God loved us. Yes. And That's therefore, how does faith work into it then? So which causes which? Does God's special love cause faith, or does our faith cause God's special love? God's special love causes our mm. faith. Right. So the special love creates the faith. So then we're back. We're back at ground zero. Yeah. So why does he just special love everybody? Yeah. So everyone has faith. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the answer is that there is no difference between whom he shows his special love to and whom he does not. Yeah. That's the answer. God, the difference between me and the other individual. Yeah. Two so God doesn't choose me and not Jeff because I'm cooler than Jeff, right? Or he doesn't look at us and from from the beginning be like, oh, because of anything that you are or anything that you've done, 
that's why I'm gonna choose you. I'm gonna choose like an army of like awesome Christians. So it's like a lottery, <laughs> and then I. Hopefully, yeah. I'm the one of the lucky ones. Oh, that so, that's, so, that's, so that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so the that's question here is, why, right? And so there are various theories. Right? You've, you've introduced one. Lottery? Or, in other words, random? Right? So God's like, you know, God has a giant wheel of fortune. He spins it. Giant. <laughs> 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 What do you guys think about that? Mm. Carrie, you don't like that? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think? Because I, I guess I don't like that because um, it's a special thing. Because when I apply, to, like, I understand when I apply to my own life. Like, you know, I have a certain special love for my family and a certain different type of you know, love for my friends, but when I imagine like godly love, it should be so much greater than what I'm capable of, and that is unconditional love. He does love unconditionally. But there's special love. That's not, that's, that's His special love is unconditional love. Then why is it for everyone? What is other love? You're right. So therein is the rug. He only extends it to some. That's conditional. But there's no condition. There's no condition. So, right just... <laughs> so John, you, 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 you think that if there is no reason in us, it must be random. Okay, so why does he, why does he, ha- I'm going to leave that for answer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is it the only thing that we can say is that God is just in his decision? Like, we, we don't really know why. So there's some kind of reason why it's the person on the right and not the person on the left. We just don't know. But it has something to maybe like the person on the right like showed this act of kindness to a little kitty cat at one point in his life and the other person didn't. And then you know, that's the reason, right? Isn't, isn't Wait, the, doesn't that mean you get to heaven because you're a good person then? That's the mm-hmm. rub of that answer. <laughs> right? so, so that's the other option, right? Instead of lottery, you can say it's some, some reason... But if there's people. a reason, then it's not con- then it's not unconditional. Good. <laughs> All right. So we're so so we're rejecting this. We're rejecting this, right? <laughs> okay. okay. So why? Doesn't Paul say that the the clay can't ask the potter why you can't you made me this way? Yeah. So in other words, we can't figure out why. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The answer is that God has a reason. The biggest thing is, but God is not telling us. If there is a why, there's a why. If if there's a why, then this then this conditional. If there's no why, then it's unconditional. No, no. Um, If there is a why, it depends on what the why is. If the why has to do with us, it is a condition. Mm -hmm. But the why has to do with Him, not with us. He, he sees two equally ugly women, <laughs> right? Beautiful. Yeah. He sees two equally ugly, rebellious yes. women, yeah. or men. and he says, I'm going to marry you this one. And so he has a reason within himself, but it has nothing to do with who he chooses, because they're both equally repulsive, rebellious, running away. 
So why does he choose this one and not the other? We don't, ultimately we don't know, but he does. This is, he chooses out of his grace and mercy, he chooses some and not others. And so we'll be like, that's not fair, right? Right, that's not fair, right? What, but, but again, like why, he's not obligated to offer special love to any of these two. All of us are condemned to hell. Yet he uh, decides to choose some and not the others. Do we know why? No. There's a reason. <laughs> For his purposes. <laughs> no, there's a reason within God. Yes, there is a reason, but we, yeah, we don't. We have no, we have no idea. Yeah. Go ahead, Amy. Could another reason be that even though God chooses us first, we could actually deny him. So uh, we can reject um, God. That yeah, that's that's a. That's the Arminian way to look at it, that we, that it is up to us. So God, you're saying that God extends his love and we reject him? Yeah, so that's, so, so this, that theory is that God sends out his special love to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then we have the And choice. then the, the, what makes a determiner is that this person can say, nope, block it. Nope. And this person says, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> right? If that is the case, mm-hmm. if, it ba- if it's based on you blocking versus you accepting, then what does that mean? Free will. Does it? Well, yeah, I mean, but but what does free will ultimately mean? <coughs> you get to choose. You get to choose, but what does that ultimately mean? This is conditional. It means what? It's merit then. Right? It's merit. That means, Aikmi, you're a Christian and your friend's not a Christian because you are just a little bit smarter. You're a little bit more spiritual. You're a little bit wiser. And your friend is a little dumber than you. And that's why. Is that the reason? I know. See, it's not Yeah. Um, any other questions? This is good. This is good talking. We'll, we'll keep talking on this. We'll we'll just finish on this because uh, there's a, other stuff that isn't as cool to talk about. But, um, does that, John? Does that fit into your mind? Huh? Or is that there's still a big rub for you? That's too rough for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mind boggling. It's like. Okay, let's think of this. Let's think of, uh, okay, let's think of the facts. Okay, so, so this is, might be hard to grasp, but what are the facts, right? So there's God in His holiness. God holy, our holy God. And then, well, there's man, and man is fallen, right? We saw that. So it's broken here. And then, what? Evil, right? So everything is plunged into evil. So, so what are the facts? Everybody here deserves what? Uh, God's wrath is justice, right? So everyone is condemned. Condemned, right? To hell. So what are the... We know from the Bible that God predestines, that God elects some and not others, right? Um, That he chose uh, Jacob and not Esau, right? Things like that. So how do we put these two things together? It's that nobody deserves anything. God is not obligated to extend his grace and mercy to anybody. We're all destined to hell. But he chooses some. And so that's where we are. That's not fair, right? Because, but if we want fairness, what's fairness? Hell for everybody, right? So do we know why he chooses some and not others? Why me and why not you? Um, why everybody here not everybody over there? We all, ultimately, we don't know why. It's for his purposes, right? That's Deuteronomy 29, 29. He has his secret will and his revealed will. We know the facts. And so how do we respond to it? That's, that's where we're at, right? How do we respond to this? How do we respond to him selecting this, selecting some and not others? We don't, we don't feel special about it. I think this, this uh, through this doctrine, like it get, makes us even more humble, right? Like, why me? Like, I have no idea why. 
Um, and it also shows that it completely depends 100% on God's yes, love, yeah. God's initiative, yeah. and it's not on us. And therefore, it's all grace. Yeah. What this doctrine does is it allows us to say God saves us by grace alone. Every, every other answer means it's a little bit on us. Hmm. Yeah. So it's not, absolutely nothing that we do. It's all of God. We don't know why he doesn't choose to just like So that does, that, does that mean we should just sit back and do nothing? And not evangelize and not share the gospel? No, that's dumb, right? Yeah. Because you don't practice Christianity so you go to heaven. You practice mm. Christianity because you believe it is the truth. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether you receive grace or not. Yeah. Dude, that's, yeah, that's perfect. That's a great answer. And so, we, so people who believe this, uh, there are people called hyper-Calvinists where they think like, okay, if God's going to do what he does, then let's just sit back and not do anything. That's stupid, right? <laughs> what does the Bible say? Go make disciples of all the nations, right? And baptize them. And so it is our responsibility. We don't know who this is. We don't know these. We don't know who's elect, who's not. Uh, so it is our responsibility to proclaim the gospel, not for merit, like you said, but because we think it's his truth and because we think we know this to be true. So that should elicit humility, right? It should give us a great a sense of joy knowing that man, God has chosen me. Not because I'm special. Um, I'm a dirtbag, right? But God loves me still. Um, okay, so we'll end with uh, how we respond. We're, not, we're going to skip all the passages. Um, let's just read this. Out. We, sh- uh, we should be humble that God called us out of darkness and compassionate and loving towards others because we were first shown love, right? First John 4, 9 says, We love because He first loved us. Um, the full love of God revealed to us in Jesus at the cross gives us both the motivation to love and the example of how to love. Right? So we see that in, at the cross, uh, the love that God has shown us, it shows us how we're to love. We're to love the unlovable. We're to serve um, the poor, the needy, uh, the people that revile us, um, our enemies. We love them. We pray for them. Um, so that's the example. But the motivation is because because we have everything already, right? God loved us, and we're bought into His family. So that should be the driver for everything that we do. Um, question, <laughs> Any final comments, thoughts? I know it's still it's, it's not completely settled. Yeah, this yeah, it's a it's a um, this doctrine is hard to I guess grasp at first. It, it still is. I mean, it's not it's not easy at all. Um, I think it should be hard to grasp. If it was easy, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, God. Remember, we're yeah. we're the bacteria, and God is <laughs> a human, right? And so we, I don't know. So we can't grasp everything. We there, there's there's God's secret will, Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine, and there's God's revealed will. We know what we see in the Bible. Everything that's revealed to these doctrines. How do we respond to it? How do we live faithfully? And then there's God's secret will. It's not for us to know, right? So we're just to be faithful in what God has revealed to us um, and things that we bump up against like this. Um, ultimately, it's just trusting that God is is sovereign, and yet he still loves us. So everything is fused together, all these attributes. So. Questions? No? Yeah, John. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I just want to say a uh, little last comment. That's on what yeah. Pastor Michael uh, first said, said um, God is love. And so I want to say as a corollary, love is God. So when we express love, mm-hmm. especially for those who, who we, it's really hard to difficult. It's really hard to love love a person. Yeah. Then it's we, are, um, 
we are uh, expressing godliness in ourselves. Yeah. So just to love. Yes, that's good. Yeah, to if you love. read, um, I forgot which uh, verse, but yeah, it says that too. Uh, I think First John 4, 7 to 11. Yeah, that's good. Um, and really quickly, again, we can't, we can't pull any of these uh, categories of love. Don't categorize it. Everything works together. If we take one out of the other, if we think that God loves the reprobate um, only, then we're going to think that he's, he's, uh, that he is swayed and, um, in, his, um, in how he works by our response to him. If we think he just loves the elect, then we're going to think that uh, the reprobate are useless and we're just going to hold up and things like that. So we, everything works together, right? Everything... There's a rub uh, to everything that, that we talked about, but at the same time, we see that everything is compatible and works together. Okay, let's pray. Uh, Father, thanks for um, showing us your love, showing us who you are and um, what you've revealed to us uh, in your word. We pray that um, even as we uh, try to grasp these things, uh, that we would um, uh, not just... Uh, uh, give up in our search for knowing more and more, uh, but may we be compelled and uh, moved to seek even more of you, uh, trying to understand you, um, knowing that ultimately we don't know everything, but may we never give up uh, in uh, seeking our uh, the answers for our questions. And uh, may this move us to love you more. May this drive us to you. May this drive us to the cross and uh, what you've done for us. And uh, be with us the rest of the Sunday. We love you. In your son's name, amen.